And we are in James, inviting you to turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We're coming to the closing two verses of James. Um, We see a common phrase used in his closing, which begins in verse 13. And I'll mention that phrase in a second. James, as we've been reminded several times, addresses the 12 Jewish scattered tribes. He emphasizes over and over and over with different topics the importance of a life lived in agreement with the confession of one's faith. To say one thing and do another is uh, confusing, and James brings that up several times. Something that some among the 12 tribes that were scattered weren't experiencing, the confession of their mouth and their faith walk being the same. In the closing, he began in verse 13, he speaks directly to those who express a genuine Christian faith, both with their confession and a life that demonstrates its genuineness. He uses a phrase that's common. We see it in verse 13. It's implied again in the last half of verse 13, verse 14, and we see it in verse 19 as well. He says first in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? And if they were, they were to pray. Is anyone, and the among you is implied in 13b, is anyone cheerful? Sing songs or psalms or spiritual songs. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? And we dealt with that a couple of weeks in a row. And then in verse 19, he says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about seeking to win the wanderer. Okay, seeking to win the wanderer. The final two verses are very fitting when we consider the main emphasis sprinkled throughout the epistle. These are those verses, chapter 5, verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so he's bringing all of what he's talked about from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 5, verse 12, to a conclusion and saying to those that have a genuine faith, if you see someone wandering from that faith, seek to bring him back. We're going to take a look at that. This is a call from, from the Holy Spirit through James to genuine believers among the scattered tribes and by implication to us as well in the churches to evangelize. It's for the purpose of evangelism. But this is a little bit different than the Matthew 28 portion of evangelism that says go into all the world. Here what James is saying is go into the church. Go into those that are underneath the umbrella of faith and evangelize those that are wayward. Evangelize those who name the name of Christ but don't show the evidence of a genuine conversion even though they're part of or were a part of the church. Maybe they, maybe they are no longer. This morning's bulletin, I wish I had it. I do have it. Maybe you have one. If you don't, you can do it in your mind. This morning's bulletin, I left five spaces and five numbers. And if you didn't get one, create a list in your mind. Maybe you can see the faces of individuals that the Lord will bring to your mind. And I'd like for you to do this in the next couple of minutes. I want you to think about people that you know, 
people who in the past demonstrated some level of spiritual dynamic, but you would have to say, I don't see it anymore. Not in a judgmental tone, not in a I'm better than you tone, um, but the dynamic that was spiritual at one time is no longer existing. They never talk about Jesus. There is no interest in spiritual matters. They may be polite and respond somewhat generically, but with discernment, you can see that there's no depth in spiritual relationships. Maybe they're moral, maybe they're not. Morality changed in our world, but the idea, it didn't change in the Bible, by the way, but the idea of victory over sin or joy in the midst of difficulty or loving the unlovely or forgiving or helping the poor or other biblical topics is far from them and far from their conversation. Maybe at one time it was a part, but now not in a judgmental tone. We'll talk about that in a second. But now not in a judgmental tone. You would have to say, I don't see that in their life anymore. Ask the Lord in the next couple of minutes to bring some people to your mind. This is your list. This isn't the list of your family. It's not the list of your spouse. This is your list. And I'm guessing that there are going to be people on your list that are different than the people on anybody else's list. And if you don't write them down, that's fine. The Lord is able to bring those people to your mind. You don't have to limit it to five. It'd be great if we could only think of one. Unfortunately, we can think of many more. People you know, maybe family members or friends or co-workers or neighbors who have wandered, according to James. James isn't talking about a stumbling into sin for the believer and then the Lord, by His grace, brings them back up to faith in Christ. He's talking about wandering. He's talking about they got completely off course. There is no longer a spiritual dynamic in this individual's life. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's answer a question before we look at some of the specifics of these two closing verses. The question is this, is this judging? Is this judging someone else? Seeing someone who was among us wandering and seeking to bring them back. Am I entering this with judgment? Well, knowing that Scripture doesn't contradict itself helps us say, no, James isn't giving us a task to do that would be judging because that would be inconsistent with Scripture itself. James is clear about the who and the what to do, the wandering one, bring them back, save their soul from death. Is this judging? What we know about judging, Jesus, we know many things, but Jesus said in Matthew 7, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you'll be judged. With the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? If I approach this ministry that James speaks of in chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, if I approach this ministry of reconciliation, bringing someone back into the fold um, that James is talking about, if I approach it arrogantly, looking down my nose with my beady eyes and pointing my finger at their sin with a sense of superiority, if that's what I do, it's inappropriate. That would be judging. But if I recognize that I'm one beggar saying to another beggar, I know where there's some bread, it's a whole different story. That isn't a judgmental spirit. As a sinner, 
I was in need of grace. As a sinner, you're in need of grace also. That's the spirit that James is speaking of. And so set aside the idea of judging, though recognize at the same time that in this congregation right here, there could be some that step into this with a judgmental spirit. That's not what James is saying to do. That doesn't mean that we ignore it because of the possibility of failure of some. We just have to be very careful. There might be some among us who might say, I don't want to get involved or anywhere close to something like that. But do you know what? The people on your list, you know, and I don't know the people on your list. God gave you their vision of their face before you, those who used to have a spiritual dynamic but no longer have one. And so it's not my responsibility to care for them. I have my list. I have my responsibility. You have yours, and you have your responsibility. Consider this. Maybe God wants you to be the someone of verse 19, the instrument he uses to bring a sinner from their wandering, saving their soul from death, and covering a multitude of sins. Is it a little scary? Yes. A little risky? Yes. Does it require spiritual courage and to be filled with the Spirit? Absolutely. Um, But it's a ministry that he leaves. It's the closing words. That's how significant they were to James. This is evangelism, but it's not evangelism into all the world. This is evangelism in the church. That's the uniqueness of this one, or under the umbrella of what used to be the church. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And so he's not speaking about just the disciples or just the apostles. It's anyone that's in Christ. He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But not for those that James speak of. It was temporal, not just a lasting new. Uh, All this is from God, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, all of us, the everyone, not the elders, not the pastor, not the missionaries, all of us gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's, It's on the shoulders of all of us. Those that are on your list are on your shoulders. Those that are on my list are on my shoulders. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of of reconciliation. So God has, in Christ, entrusted to me, Jerry, not me, Pastor Jerry, and to you, to Bill, to to Terry, to um, Dave, and fill in your name. He's entrusted to each of us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Is it the work of God to bring someone back from wandering? Absolutely. It isn't human wisdom or me and my ability to charismatically speak with or argue someone into the kingdom of heaven. It must be the work of God. And yet he's trusted that work to individuals. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf... Now, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sakes, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We implore you that you would be the someone who seeks to win back his brother over in James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Let's add a unique little twist to this dilemma, the people that we're thinking of, the people that are on your list. 
This is difficult, but it's true. It might well be that there are people who are wanderers that still gather with us in the church. And so they aren't physically wandering. They're not out saying, curse God and die. They meet with us. They sing the songs we sing. But there's no spiritual conversation other than just politeness because of the circumstances and the atmosphere around us. There's no drive for honoring God. There's no fruit of the Spirit. There's none of the dynamic that should be there. That's who James is talking to in the 12 tribes scattered abroad. They were, many of them would have been part of local churches as well. And so added to that list, and I mean, if you do it, do it in like font three so that nobody can read it. You might need to add the name of someone that God brings to your mind that doesn't demonstrate that life in Christ that we should demonstrate if the spirit of God dwells within us and we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And whose task is it to speak to those people? Well, yes, they can come to church and hear the preaching of the word of God, but it might be that God wants to use you to have ministry in that person's life to bring back that wandering one, all right? Just because someone comes to church doesn't mean their sins are covered. Just because someone is in a church building, this one or another, doesn't mean that person has a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Doesn't mean they have the fruit of the Spirit operating in their life or that they're abiding in Christ and not abiding in sin. And again, it isn't that it's a believer and they just kind of get tripped up and then the Lord picks them back up and they continue on in their spiritual journey. These people are wandering. They're just, and we're going to define what wandering is. They're just off in never, never land and have no heartbeat at all for the Lord anymore. They might come, they might be polite in their speech, but the spiritual dynamic isn't there. James 5 verse 19 and 20 is a call to evangelism under the umbrella of those who are or who have been part of the church. This is a pretty straightforward set of verses. We're going to highlight four things. Let me read it again. My brother, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, will cover a multitude of sins. We're going to talk about the wanderers. We're going to talk about the someone or the him, what I'm going to call the reconciler. We're going to speak of the cost of wandering and then highlight the benefits and advantage of a, a, a of a wanderer uh, uh, coming back. But first he says, my brothers. That doesn't mean that everyone he's speaking to is a Christian that's committed in the Lord. Um, Likely it's my brothers, my Jewish contemporaries. Um, Even a loose application could be those that are my brothers who have named the name of Christ. And then he speaks of the wandering. The wandering or the wanderers. Who are these wanderers? James has been talking about them and addressing their situation throughout his epistle. It would be the unrepentant rich, the grumblers, those presuming about tomorrow, the one judging a brother, those whose tongue is out of control, the one who says they have faith but not works. It's a dead faith, even calls it a demonic faith. The one who hears the word of God but doesn't do it. The one who can never get their mind around the idea of a trial being used for the Lord to draw me closer to him. Maybe they... Maybe they think, what's the use? Jesus worked for someone else, but he doesn't work for me. I'm just going to go wander away. Or maybe the cares of the world seduced them. Or maybe the cost of following the Lord was too difficult. 
Salvation is a free gift of God. We recognize that. Discipleship is a different issue. Being a follower of Jesus requires death to self. That's a high price. Add to that, I was told, once saved, always saved. I have heard someone say, I did my part. Now God has to do his part. How arrogant is that? Uh, Our part is only done because of the goodness and the kindness of God. I like, if you're really saved, you're really saved, but that doesn't flow near as nicely. Perseverance of the saints is a good phrase, but the way Jesus put it was this, from John 8, 31. And I'm thinking we ought to go with Jesus' word. He's got a pretty good reputation. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Is there an abiding in the word? And the wanderer doesn't abide in the Word. The wanderer might know the Word. The wanderer might be, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees knew something of it, they might be able to cite the Word. They might have their doctrinal uh, abilities to say things, organize. That doesn't mean their heart is given to the Lord, that there's a spiritual dynamic. James says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, Jesus would pray, God, your Word is truth. John said something similar to, the, uh, to those James is referring to in 1 John. Listen to this. This is strong. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but were not of us. Doesn't mean they just didn't like our church. It means they went out from the faith because they were not of the faith. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become more plain that they are not of us. But you, genuinely born again ones, I inserted that, have been anointed from the Holy One. And that's the Spirit of God, and that's why we have the spiritual dynamic that we have. And yes, there are some willful disciplines that we have to choose to engage. But the only reason we would choose to engage those is because the Holy Spirit is present and because God has given us His life-giving Word, or we wouldn't do that. John also said this, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he's just a liar. Now, he doesn't say it quite that way. He says, is a liar. Um, He's a liar. It's not about, I go to church. It's not about merely living a moral life. It's not about being able to tick off whatever things I think are the most important. Um, And the truth, John continues, is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And so we see again that the necessity of keeping the word. They're wandering over in James from the truth of the word. The word is from the Lord. We recognize that. Jesus said the importance of being his disciple indeed is to keep his word. And these are saying they know him just like they did in James. And John is saying, you're just lying. You're just the, the, the confession of your mouth. And what you're walking out in your life don't agree with each other. And so James encourages us to approach individuals like that with care and wisdom and with an evangelistic message of the need of following Jesus Christ. There are other uses of the same word translated wanderer here um, that help us understand a little bit about his meaning. Just for a couple of them, one of them would be Jesus um, in Matthew chapter 22. You remember the situation where the Sadducees tried to trick him because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And they said somebody was married and he died and then his brother married him. And, and then he died and then somebody else married. And he, whose wife is that going to be in the resurrection? And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, 
you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. And that word wanderer over in James chapter 5 verse 19 is this word wrong where Jesus was encountering these, uh, these, uh, these Sadducees. You, you're wrong about the truth. You wander from the truth. Another use is Titus chapter 3. We ourselves once were foolish, disobedient, speaking of us before Christ. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, hating one another. But when the goodness and loveness, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Well, that word we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, that's wander. And so, so James says there are those who have wandered from the faith. And they need someone to come alongside them and and seek to grab them and pull them back into the faith. Jesus uses that same word and says it's just wrong um, because what they know of the Word of God isn't what the Word of God says. And then in Titus, it's being led astray, the idea of wandering. James is saying there are some among you who wander or wrong, who are led astray, who need to be brought back. And the cost was expensive. They were declared sinners. Um, They were declared dead, and they were declared responsible for the multitude of sin that they had committed. Jesus explains this same spiritual dynamic for for some in a parable in Matthew chapter 13. Maybe you want to open your Bible to take a look at that, Matthew 13. It's the parable of the sower. Matthew chapter 13, verse 4, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some uh, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground uh, where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in verse 18, he explains the parable to his disciples. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. They're not wanderers, they're just rejectors. Verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This seems to be speaking of those that James is talking about over in chapter 5 or throughout his whole epistle. Um, This one uh, who hears the word immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. He's wandering. Verse 22 as well, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, it proves unfruitful, more wandering if you will, different motives, but wandering just the same. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, he indeed bears fruit, bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And we, and we recognize that it's because of the goodness and the grace of God that there's a 30, 60, and 100-fold yielding. It isn't, man, it isn't man's willpower, though we engage our will to make ourselves read our Bibles and to step into a time of prayer. But don't think it's about man's willpower. It's God in His goodness giving us that desire. 
God, through James, gives yet another call to mercy and grace. And my question to you and to me is this. Do you know anybody like that? Is there anybody whose face comes to your mind or whose name you would put on that list because they once had a spiritual passion and now you would have to say, you know, I see nothing anymore. I don't see any hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, they might be kind in their conversation, maybe. I mean, they could be moral, maybe they're not, but there's, there's no life for God. Know anybody like that? Are there individuals that appear in your mind as you read this passage? And I say this very carefully, outside of the church that used to be part of the church or maybe even inside the church because that dynamic is possible as well. That's what James is dealing with. If anyone among you wanders from the truth, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. That's the wanderer, the one who doesn't, those who need someone to bring them back, those who are described in verse 20 as sinners, dead and in, uh, in undated with a multitude of sins. James 5, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, someone brings him back, let him know. That's the wanderer. The next people that we see, we find very little about them. It would be the someone of verse 19 or the him of verse 20. And I've identified this person as the reconciler, someone who understands the goodness and the grace of God, understands that it's not done in a prideful way, but they recognize this person needs someone to win them back into the faith because where they're going is even worse than those who don't have faith. We'll read a verse that speaks to that over in Hebrews chapter 10 in a little while. The someone or the him, the reconciled. He doesn't say much about this person who God uses to bring those wanderers back. If anyone among you wanders and someone, the him, the person who brings him back, I didn't even want to say it, but it's, well, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> Move on. This is the ministry of reconciliation from 1 Corinthians chapter 5 of evangelism in the church, especially among those who name the name of Christ or name the name of Christ yet lack biblical evidence of really knowing him. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us, God wanting to use each and every one of us. Do not fall into the, into the erroneous thought of this is the job of the pastor. Or this is the job of the professional minister. This is the job of the person who has those names on their list. Every one of us have been given that ministry of reconciliation. It's similar to Hebrews 10, different dynamic, where it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Well, that's with those who are in the faith, and we're just trying to stir them up to love and good works. But, but that we, we approach it with wisdom and say, God, how can I approach this person? Give me, give me the ability to communicate, give them ears to hear, um, because the spiritual dynamic that they need is not there. You want to be used of God? This is a very clear way of being used of God. Regardless of the outcome, the outcome is because of God and his grace and his goodness. That's not my responsibility. But to seek to bring the wanderer back is my responsibility. And it's the responsibility of every person in here who names the name of Christ with a genuine relationship. If someone brings this wanderer back, let him know he is saving a soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. God is the one who must give the increase, 1 Corinthians 3, but he wants to use each one of us. It isn't a one-man job. In the end times, in an end times passage, Daniel said it like this, chapter 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, that would be resurrection, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. 
Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's who James is talking about, those who turn others to righteousness. I see you, I hear you, the confession of your mouth or the confession that you used to have doesn't match with that which has genuine spiritual uh, dynamic going on. And so you seek to turn somebody, you seek to win somebody to righteousness. This is the peacemaker of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the wise one who wins souls of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. They'll shine like the stars forever and ever. The wanderer, the someone, let's talk about the cost of wandering. Let him know, verse 20, James 5, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul, will save his soul from death and will cover a, multitudes of sin, a multitude of sins. The cost of wandering, the cost of wandering could easily be discerned from verse 19 and 20, um, but it's actually, presented, it's actually presented in a positive way in verse 19 and 20 with the benefits of the one who brought back the one who is wandering. And so let's do that together. The cost of wandering, the benefit, and advantages, the rewards of coming back from wandering. Bringing back a sinner, a word, a sinner, a word used to, descri- to describe the unredeemed. I know I've heard this, I hear it a lot, even in the church, that I'm just a sinner. I'm sorry, you're not going to find God describing you as a sinner once you're in Christ. You are in Christ, you shouldn't sin, but you do, so in that way I suppose you are, but you're not labeled a sinner anymore. You are a child of God, you're a friend of Jesus, you're his companion, that's who you are. And he uses those, uh, he uses this strong word sinner to describe those who aren't walking according to his will here, describe the unredeemed, those who are outside of Christ. Um, it says that they will, uh, this individual bringing him back will save his soul from death. Death, Romans 5 tells us this, therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. In the day that you eat thereof, you remember it back in the garden, you shall surely die. The contrast is seen in Revelation 21 of someone who has life and someone who has death proclaimed upon them and that from God. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I'll bring, uh, I will be his God. He shall be my son. That's who we are. But the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the sexually immoral and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And that's the word that's described these individuals that are wanderers, death, over in James chapter 5 and verse 20. It's separation. It's eternal. Once once. And once dead, it's established. There isn't a second chance after death. There's no turning back. It's referred to as outer darkness, hell, fire and brimstone, the place of torment, the lake which burns, the one, the one who brings the wanderer back saves that individual from this. And so I don't want to just give you a, an emotional appeal to really genuinely consider this ministry of reconciliation, but at the same time, I want to give you an emotional appeal to consider this ministry of reconciliation. The people you have on your list who once had a, at least a confession of Christ, who have wandered from him, that's what they have in, in their future. 
And, and, I, and we don't have a guarantee that as we seek to win someone back that they're going to come. That's all dependent upon God. But shouldn't we give that a little bit of effort and opportunity instead of just saying, hey, preacher, it's your responsibility, or hey, come, come to church with me? Might a, a cup of coffee and a conversation that's even a little awkward, and that's okay, be a little bit more effective with the people that are on your list, people that are in your family, your friends, your neighbors, the people you work with? It's evangelism, and it's in the church. It says it covers this individual that brings him back, covers a multitude of sins. James 2 informed us that if we break the law in one point, we're lawbreakers. Once is enough, but the reality is wanderers, sin upon sin upon sin, year after year, decade after decade. And that's why he says if you win them back, it covers a multitude of sin, a ministry of reconciliation. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 ends with this, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We celebrated that this morning. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And not in an arrogant way, but in a very humble way, as one beggar trying to help someone else, we have the ability to bring someone under the influence of recognition that Jesus' blood covers and, and, and all of our sins and all of our transgressions, that we can be completely forgiven. We see the same contrast in 1 John that we see in James. Listen to this. If we, see, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm saying one thing, but my confession doesn't match my life. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And that would be some who are confessing that they're believers. And I wonder if sometimes... Some of the tracks that we use in the quick phrase of once saved, always saved, and never doubt your salvation, I wonder if that does hindrance to the truth of the gospel message rather than promote the reality of the truth of the gospel message. I won't even use the vast majority of the tracks that are out there because of that. For the wanderer who was rescued, death's penalty is paid, sin's cost has been covered, clearly God's grace is needed. The ministry of the Spirit drawing that person. But it might well be that God desires to use you in the lives of the individuals, individuals that are on your list. And so you ask God how. Open up an opportunity. Give my tongue the ability to communicate the things that are on my heart. Certainly all of us here know some who have wandered. Let's seek to win them back. Can you imagine this place if a half a dozen or 12 or 20 of us got serious about seeking to win back those who are wandering? Do you know how many people are splattered around Lone Jack and Pleasant Hill and this area, if we draw a 10-mile radius around this city, who say, I'm a believer, who have nothing of worshiping God, nothing of reading His Word, maybe we need to win them back. Let this motivate us to pray for and pursue them. Listen to this. This isn't just the dilemma of those without Christ. This is the dilemma of those who named the name of Christ, but in reality don't have Christ. Hebrews 10.29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and had... <clears throat> 
and has outraged the spirit of grace. What a heavy place. So maybe God will use a message from James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 to stir our heart to think about and pray about evangelizing those who name the name of Christ whose walk in life doesn't doesn't agree with the confession that they have in their mouth. And it might be that they don't even confess that anymore, um, but they also still need to be brought back. For if by one man's offense many died, this is the truth of the gospel, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. That's who we can be in the Lord by His grace. That's who they can be in the Lord by His grace. There isn't anybody if, if it, it would be me. There isn't anybody outside of the mercy and the grace of God. The mercy and the grace of God is capable of drawing someone, and he might want to use you and me in that process. Let's be available. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we bow before you. What a strong word from James for a closing uh, of the need for um, seeking to win back the wanderer because they're sinners and dead and they have a multitude of sins that they're going to give an account for. Father, I pray you'd stir my heart. I pray you'd stir the hearts of, of this whole church. What a, what a massive amount of people, if you would do that, um, would be used in the ministry of reconciliation, seeking to win people back. Lord, we recognize in, a, in the confusing day that we live in um, that there are so many who think that they're okay with you, and the reality is, according to your word, they're not. Help us to not be judgmental, but to evaluate with humility and then be used by the Spirit to win someone for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that in your name. Amen.